0: Think on your feet for our fast and curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your source for news, politics and more in Chicago and beyond. Election Day is just a week away. In previous years, that might have meant a growing sense of excitement and anticipation. But this year, it also means worry, and for some people, fear. That's because political violence in the U.S. is on the rise. The New York Times reports that threats of political violence have increased tenfold since Donald Trump won the presidency in 2016. And real-world examples like the attack on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband Paul— show that the January 6th insurrection was not an isolated incident. So what is driving this trend? and What does it tell us about the future direction of our country? Here to provide her insights is Kathleen Ballou, Associate Professor of History at Northwestern University and author of the book Bring the War Home, The White Power Movement in Paramilitary America. Kathleen, you're someone who studies the radical right in your research. When you saw that story come out about this attack on Paul Pelosi, what did you think?
1: So you don't want to jump to conclusions with any kind of an attack like this. But given how consistently Nancy Pelosi has been vilified, not only by extremists, but by the mainstream GOP, I think many experts immediately worried that there might be a reason to look more closely than one might if it were a typical home invasion Um, And that impulse has borne out now that we have information about the assailant saying that he compared himself to um, independence fighters in the American Revolution, saying that he was seeking Nancy Pelosi to purposefully break her kneecaps and sort of strike at the heart of power. And of course, there is the human side of this story, too, where her her husband is dealing with surgery for a skull fracture and an assault with a hammer. This is an incredibly violent attack.
0: Which leads to my surprise and just how undercovered this story was in some ways, because I, I mean, this was potentially Kathleen, an attempted assassination on the Speaker of the House. If she had been home, this could have been a much worse outcome, right? It it
1: would have been a much worse outcome. This is the same sort of political ideology that leads to, for instance, the attempted uh, kidnapping of Governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. Um, We now have some convictions in that case after a very bumpy road. Um, But in that case, if you'll recall, they said they were trying to, quote, remove her for trial um in the ideology of the extreme right um remove for trial means hanging from an oak tree so i mean these are very direct threats on life yeah. and we're talking about a direct attack on somebody in the line of succession right
0: right and and to my earlier point about how undercovered the story was at least up until today where he's you know mm-hmm. appearing in in court do you think we've become desensitized to extremism of of, of the far right
1: Absolutely. And I think that we see that not only in sort of the bubbling up of conspiracy theory um, espoused by the GOP. There was just a, a piece on President Trump doubling down on the conspiracy theory, trying to sort of imply that this was not ideological, that there was a personal reason, that there was some kind of torrid Um, sexual backdrop for what happened. None of this has been proven true. And in fact, just the opposite. But we have the receipts for this person, the attacker in this case, becoming radicalized because of Gamergate, Mm -hmm. um, going through a series of very predictable extreme right sort of um, paths to radical action. We have QAnon in the mix. There is some Pizzagate in the mix. There's also a bunch of sort of you know the tried and true stuff about Holocaust denial, mm-hmm. um, propping up Hitler, generalized anti Semitism, misogyny, and we had all of that the day of the attack, thanks to the investigative work of journalists who were on the beat um, yeah. at Vice News and elsewhere. So, so there wasn't any mystery here. So the question is, why does it take us so many days to call this what it is, which is a politically and ideologically motivated attack? on a person who has been consistently demonized and vilified, not only on the fringe, but in our mainstream politics.
0: There are already conspiracies circulating, trying to undermine the facts of the assault. We've seen Republicans and newly minted Twitter owner Elon Musk amplifying these conspiracies as well. What does this reveal, Kathleen, um, in the role that the media is playing in, in propagating this violent rhetoric? Well, first of
1: all, I think we have to remember that someone becoming the owner of Twitter does not make them in any way a journalist or an arbiter of our news media. Um, The the source that Elon Musk reposted is from a paper that has – or I suppose a website that has repeatedly trafficked in conspiracy theory and not just in sort of like – Um, I don't know, GOP talking points, Mm -hmm. sorts of unproven fact, but in outright blatant conspiracy theory, there's no reason that that ever should be taken as news. Um, And deleting a tweet and recanting are two completely different things. But that's neither here nor there. The Mm -hmm. question for me... Is, you know, I suppose there's a journalistic argument to hold until we have the charging documents that say what the ideology of the attacker was. But as I said, we have the deep dive into belief. We had that days ago. So we don't need to be waiting to find out if it was ideologically motivated when we have all that information. Now, belief is not a crime in our country, nor is posting anti Semitic content, nor is having a blog that says the vilest things you can think of. That's all. Legal. But at the point where we have a critical action a criminal action and that ideological content, what we have to do that is really hard and it's you know, I'm I'm sympathetic to how much of this news there is now that people are just overwhelmed by it. I'm overwhelmed by it. Saturated
0: by information. Totally
1: saturated. But what we have to do is connect it to all of the other events that belong in the same story. Like um uniformed vigilantes intimidating poll workers in Arizona or signing up to be poll workers while armed in Arizona, Mm -hmm. like Proud Boys macing students at Penn State during an event, Um, like the way that extremist ideology is not only sort of um, infiltrating into our mainstream, but extremist violence is not denounced by the GOP. In many, many stories, not just this one, this is a pattern of events. And it has experts, including myself, very concerned that what we're dealing with is a rise in fascist behavior rather than simply extremist violence. Yeah, like how problematic is that? It's hugely problematic because the more accepting of these sorts of – moving of the norms, moving of the goalposts in our norms about violence, about how politics works, about how institutions do and don't work, about protection and safety of our elected officials, the more we let all of that become the new normal, Mm -hmm. the more we risk losing democracy for authoritarianism.
0: We mentioned reporting earlier from the New York Times uh, about this huge increase in, in threats to political leaders. What do you think it is that is leading people to express this political violence, if you had to sum it up?
1: So as a historian, I want to go way back and talk about the white power movement, which is really a coalition of Klansmen, neo-Nazis, skinheads, some parts of the militia movement and others on the militant right who came together in the aftermath of the Vietnam War and have really mounted a, a paramilitary, by which I mean a uniformed, trained and heavily armed, attack on the United States for decades. This has preceded without interruption, um, more or less, and has been gaining momentum this whole time. So this is the history that begins in the 70s, goes through the Oklahoma City bombing, which is a major act of domestic terrorism and carried out by the white power movement and comes all the way up to the present. Same movement, same ideologies, in many cases, the same money and the same guns. Yeah. So that leads us to a bunch of questions about why haven't we confronted it? Why haven't we disavowed it? And then post um post-2016, we really see a full-on, first a sort of reluctance to disavow this kind of activity on the fringe, and then we see more and more elements of the fringe being incorporated into the GOP mainstream. Um, And that is alarming for a number of different reasons, but mostly because it just, it paves the way for not only sort of sabotage attacks on the state which is what this movement was doing before but for attacks on our institutions and our free elections themselves which is what we're seeing now
0: let's, let's talk more about the reaction from many republican leaders kathleen they've expressed concern over the attack on paul pelosi but they will then qualify the statement afterwards let's listen to just one example of this this is from the governor of virginia uh, glenn youngkin
1: and uh listen i, I want to stop for a minute and and. Uh... Listen, Speaker Pelosi's husband, uh, they had a break in last night in their house and he was assaulted. There's no room for violence anywhere, but we're going to send her back to be with him in California. That's what we're going to go do. That's what we're going to go do.
0: So it's interesting that he just um, he refers to it as just a break in. It is. It is.
1: Andy says we're going to send her back, which, you know, they cannot do. Her seat is quite secure. And, and even were she not to be uh, reelected to her position within the, the the Congress, she is not going back to California to – I mean, she will go back and be with her husband, but um, not as the result of a lost election, which Correct. is what he's implying. So. Yes. And honestly, that's one of the more tame ones. We have people saying that um, there's there's a strand of like, what aboutism talking about the attempt on the life of Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court justice over the summer. Um, in that case, that was extensively covered in the media and resulted immediately in the passage of legislation beefing up security for Supreme Court justices. Um, there was no sort of this is an isolated event. Like, don't worry about it. it it's sort of like no lessening of any of this um, from lawmakers on the left or on the right. Um, In this case, what we're seeing is much more overt um, from people peddling disinformation and conspiracy theory all the way to sort of like, well, also people on the left carry out acts of violence too. Um, And to that argument, I would also just encourage people to look at the numbers where we have a long and deep record of extremists on the right mounting violent attacks on people, targeted communities, and our democracy on January 6th. I mean,
0: and as you talk about how how overt it is, Kathleen, I wonder, just through your research, what have you learned about how how someone makes the move from posting about conspiracy theories or white supremacy to actually... Becoming violent. Sure.
1: There are as many routes to violence as there are violent actors in the white power movement. So sometimes it has to do with sort of like a, a predictable course of racist belief and then social structure. Sometimes it has to do with social interactions and um, much more soft benefits like the movement provides child care and marital counseling and then you meet someone and then they pull you in. Right? Yeah. There's all kinds of routes. I think that um, – what we need to be paying attention to more than sort of individual trajectory is sort of the groundswell. And by I that, see. I mean peaks in activity where we're looking at not just one event, but multiple events. And what we see in this new language from DHS and FBI um, and other law enforcement agencies that are pointing to this increased threat before the election mm-hmm. is that there is a surge in activity, not just one person, not just a few people, but across the country, this is surging activity, um, which means that people really need to be paying attention in their own communities. Yeah. They need to know where and how to report poll intimidation um, including you know taking pictures noticing whether people are armed making making note of insignia and slogans so that law enforcement can correctly respond mm-hmm. people should know how to report not only to their local police but also to FBI field offices Um, because we do have incidences where local police have been compromised. Um, And we we are all going to need to be coming out if we would like to defend our, our institutions and our democracy.
0: Yeah, I imagine election officials are going to be on the lookout for anything untoward happening on Election Day, right? Which, as I mentioned earlier, is just a week away. But given what happened on January 6th, 2021, it seems that they should be vigilant after the election as well. Well,
1: not only that, but a lot of the people who safeguarded our democracy the last time around aren't in those positions because of this violent intimidation. Oh, yeah. um, poll workers have been driven out. Um, you know, we even saw in the January 6th committee hearings that some of the women who who simply do poll work, work as – A mechanism of their sense of civic duty were harassed and driven out of those posts. Poll workers, even um, elected officials who are responsible for certifying elections, have been subjected to consistent campaigns of harassment, whether or not they are Republicans.
0: So our future, our midterms and future elections sound like they might be in bad shape. I'm concerned about that. I think a lot of others are, too. Kathleen is Associate Professor of History at Northwestern University. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you
1: for having me, Sasha.
0: This episode of Reset was produced by Andrew Merriweather and it was edited by Ethan Schwab. Want more in-depth conversations like this one? Then subscribe to our podcast. We have tons of great conversations on everything from politics to the arts. And when you subscribe, please leave us a rating. It really helps more people find us. That's it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll see you tomorrow.